1: welcome back to the bear report podcast my name is jeremy stoltz i am the publisher of bearreport.com here today again with bears insider aaron lemming how you doing today
2: Oh man, getting closer to to game week. Um yeah, that's, that's about it. I don't know. I'm not overly optimistic at this point. It's kinda of bad that we're in week three and I'm already feeling like that. But you know,
1: I, it is what it is. I think uh you sound like a lot of the Bears fans who were, you know, really worn out uh from the end of last season and I think the fact that the the first two weeks has just kind of been a continuation of what we saw last year kinda has a lot of fans like you kinda of just already starting to feel worn out. People are already starting to make plans. Uh, for uh, some late rounds of golf on Sunday here coming up soon, but uh, we'll we'll talk about all those things here coming up soon in the podcast, but let's talk about the injuries and uh, a few things that uh, have kind of changed since we talked on Monday when we assumed that uh, Nick Kwiatkowski's torn or what we thought was a torn pectoral injury uh, was going to land him on injured reserve may not be the case now at this point. Bears have not put him on IR and John Fox said today that they are still evaluating him and they don't actually know you know what it is. He said they're not hiding uh, the situation but it's obviously not as obvious as a clear-cut torn pec you're done what are your thoughts on it
2: well uh Ian Rappaport put it out a thing earlier it said it looks like he's just going to miss a few weeks uh and talking to a buddy of mine that's a personal trainer a big fitness guru and he's kind of you know kind of put a few things into perspective especially like the drill Freeman thing and then he talked about the Kowski thing and he said basically with a torn pectoral I mean, it's pretty black and white. It's if it's if it's fully torn, then it's going to be a three or four month rehab process, and you're probably not going to be back. But with a partially torn uh, pec, it's a lot different of a situation because it comes a point where it heals somewhat fast. Um, but the biggest issue is, you know, and it's something that he could probably play in a few weeks. But the biggest issue is going to be not rushing him back out on the field because it can go from a partial tear. to a a matter of one play, so it's going to be more of a, a delicate time situation and them really not rushing him back out at least from what uh, my buddies told me and i trust him because he's pretty well called everything to this point but the fact that they haven't done anything with him yet they would have known if it was a torn pack you know a fully torn pack so i would definitely say that's a good sign um he pointed to i think it was a new orleans game i don't have the schedule in front of me so i don't know how long that's out i think that's right before the bye uh is kind of a game that would probably make a lot of sense for him to come back in. Um, but it's definitely good news that it's not, it doesn't appear to be a season ending thing because I mean, he's still going to have, let's just say, even if he comes back after the bye, I mean, that's still eight games worth of development to see what you have in somebody like that, who I thought looked pretty good in the one drive.
1: I think, yeah, I think the the point, biggest point is the fact that he does need to develop there. There are very, Uh, good points in his game he's a very good downhill player between the tackles very good Uh, as a run stopper very good we've seen him make plays already like you said he looked good in the one drive before he got hurt Uh, i think he had four tackles on that drive we talked about it in the uh, in earlier podcast if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to it from monday um but yeah, it, it, if this is true and he's only out, uh, you know, a month or so, or you know, he's only going to miss five or six games, that's great because I do think that he needs to get out there. This is a, a really good opportunity for him with Drell Freeman going down to start all those games, really get entrenched in the starting lineup, and get the reps that you need to you know, develop into a, a, a Pro Bowl or even just a starting caliber. Player, And I think the potential is there for him. Uh, So if he can get back back there and, like you said, maybe come back after the bye, play half the season still, that'd be great. I think that was uh, one of the more disappointing uh, injuries just because of the promise that uh, Kwiatkowski has shown. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, for the sake of the Bears, that he is not as hurt as we originally thought. Uh, the Bears have said they'll tell us when they know. So the fact that we haven't heard anything, maybe, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's he'll only be out a couple of weeks and uh, he'll be back before we know it. That would be a great thing. So that would be great news. Other good news on the injury report. Uh, this is something that the Bears haven't had in a while. So this is really good news. Kyle um, Long practiced in full today for the first time the entire year. I don't think he's had a full practice through OTAs, mini camps, training camps, uh, throughout the regular season. It's always been a limited participation, if at all. Uh, so that that's great. I think he's probably going to get back onto the uh, into the starting lineup this week. Also, Prince and Mukamara practice for the first time in a couple. I think it's been about three or four weeks for him uh, with the ankle injury. Uh, both those guys appear to be uh, back and ready to go. I, I you know if you get your starting left guard and your starting cornerback. Uh, you know, that kind of makes up for some of the injuries that you've had. Uh, you know, just the. You know, it doesn't make up for the amount of injuries they've had over the last couple of years, but man, it, the guys were going down like crazy in that second game. So they actually have some guys coming back is a good sign.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think you had, what? I mean, you you got three starters coming back with Wheaton as well. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I, I didn't even mention Marcus Wheaton, who isn't even on the uh, injury report. So he's 100% or 110%, looks like. He, they're not even putting him on the injury report.
2: Oh, man, you just jinxed him now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and
2: something I kind of wanted to touch on, and we can do it briefly, uh, but I thought it was very interesting because you guys sat down with Kyle Long. What what was that, Monday, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that was, I I thought Kyle Long said that was interesting, uh, that John Fox has refuted multiple times uh, in, in the course of training camp, was the fact that he had a setback. And that happened in training camp. And I, I thought that was very interesting that he was very upfront about that. And it sounded like it wasn't just one setback, it sounded like it was multiple setbacks from him just kind of rushing into things. So it's good to know why it's t- taken so long for him to come back. But it's also kind of makes you wonder well, like, I guess maybe not because, you know, John Fox says this a lot. But. I I guess it's good to at least have confirmation that this, you know, that it's just not taking him this long to come back from the original injury that he just had a few setbacks and I think he said something about his calf uh was quite a bit smaller and it was just kind of getting the the muscles back in order and stuff like that so it, it, I don't know it, it's good to me or good to know at least for me that I mean this was a setback and not just an injury that he really struggled to come back from and you know there was no issues and it, it, that was just it so well, that's just I my mean take.
1: what's what's the difference between those two definitions right there I mean setbacks or problems coming back from an injury I mean I think it's good now that he's 100 percent uh but uh, you know I think that this is obviously something they're doing they need to monitor because he has had so many. I mean, just from the you go back and you know when his dad was talking about it, he threw up like thirty times the night of the surgery. I mean, just from from that point on, it's been uh, very rough. Uh, recovery process. It doesn't surprise me at all that he's had a couple of setbacks, but I think the bottom line is he's he's back out there at near enough 100. Uh, percent I, I wonder how long that's going to last, though. I mean, we're we're not even talking about the shoulder injury, which never got, had surgery on it. So uh, you know, if the ankle holds up, great. If the shoulder holds up, even better. But uh, I, you know, it's not going to hurt to have him out there. I'm really interested to see though what type of trial Long we're going to see uh, when, he, when he when he suits up there on Sunday over to Amukamara. I think that's a really good thing. I don't think Kyle Fuller has played poorly. I don't think Marcus Cooper has played poorly either. Uh, Neither played great, you know, very average. Uh, Amukamara was the guy who was making plays, though, during OTAs and training camp, and the guy that I thought had the most potential uh, to come in and be that number one playmaking guy. So I think his uh, addition potentially uh, is as important as on Longbatch.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think and this is a question I have for you because I've been kind of kicking this over a little bit and I can't really find an answer. Now, with Muka Moore coming back, what do you do at corner in terms of starting corner? Obviously, he's going to be starting. I would assume Marcus Cooper is probably going to be uh, – and I, and I know Vic Fangio hasn't been a big fan of it. But, I mean, why not put your best three corners out on the field? And all? I think fuller has been playing good enough to you know, slide him into the slot. Let him play a little bit of nickel. I mean, what what are your thoughts
1: on that? Well, I I think the Bears and Fangio really like Bryce Callahan uh, in the slot. I don't I don't think there's any uh, risk of Callahan losing his spot. I think it, really what it's going to come down to, and we've seen this from Fangio a lot, as well as Ed Donatel, they'll go with the hot hand in the secondary. If a guy's not playing well, you know they'll move to that second or third guy without hesitation. So I I don't know who's going to start the game. Maybe maybe it'll be uh, uh, Fuller and. and uh, uh, Mukamara, maybe they'll make M- Mukamara wait a little bit you know Amukamara the- might even be on a snap count it's a you know they may not want to rush him out there but I think they're you know again it's they have three guys that they like and then whoever you know the hot hand is going to get stay on the field I really think that's the approach that they're going to take they've done that with the linebackers in the past they've done that with the safeties as well so uh, you know, wh- whoever's playing the best is going to be out there. It, it, it's a good problem to have. And I ho- hopefully, they all three continue to play at a, at a decent level because they do have another huge test this week with Antonio Brown. But we'll, we'll get to the Steelers here in a little bit. Uh, not uh, on the other end, uh, not some good news for the Bears. Uh, just as they're getting Kyle Long back, it appears that Josh Sitton. Uh, isn't going to play this week, ha- hasn't practiced the last two days with that rib injury, doesn't uh, doesn't look good. If he doesn't suit up tomorrow, I don't th- I think there's any chance of play- of him playing. And Tom Compton didn't practice on uh, Monday, but did uh, suit up today as a limited participant. Uh, if he doesn't go, then that means you're back to Vronis Dressu at center and moving Cody Whitehair to guard where he's not at his best. So uh, you know, in terms of sitting being out, I think the health of Tom Thompson is really something to watch here because uh, I wasn't really satisfied at all with seeing Dressu out there. Were you?
2: No, I wasn't. Uh, you know, it just it, it's tough because, you know, I, I think Compton's actually played pretty well. Now the question is going to be, you know, what where are they? I know Kyle Long was supposed to be playing left guard. Now, ultimately, he really hasn't practiced. So would it be smarter to keep, long on the right side and then have cody whitehair i mean granted he played all three positions the other day uh inside i mean what it, I, I i'm curious to see what they're going to do with long but the one thing i will say and i just kind of want to get this off my chest because i've seen a lot of people kind of bashing uh, cody whitehair because he hasn't really been overly good but i mean what do you expect from a guy that i mean and they did the same thing last year and i understand his injuries kind of you know kind of the made this what it was but I mean, Cody Whitehair played what, mainly at left guard during preseason for the most part, and then switched back to center right before the season. Then he played what he he played center, right guard, and left guard this last game. And I, I know a lot of people are a little upset because he's you know, he's not making a step forward, but I mean what can you really expect from a guy that you just keep bouncing around positions? I don't I don't like to see all the negativity going with him right now. I think Whitehair's a very good player, but I mean you can't expect a guy to play three positions in one game and play at a pro bowl level like he was last year
1: well i think you you expect a little bit more i mean i do understand the frustration of the fans but i do think you bring up a very good point i mean without that continuity he's a new guy i mean throughout that game he had a new guy on his right and left i mean almost every snap so that's very difficult situation to be in especially for a second year player who's never had to do that before and i you know i think you're right i think it's unfair to bash him uh, just uh, given the small sample size, especially, you know, the fact that he's had to play guard. I think it's very obvious with Cody Whitehair. His best position is at center. That's where he excels. We, excuse me, we saw that a lot last year. And if you slide him out to left guard or right guard, he, he you know, he, he, he isn't as good of a player. So uh, I think, you know, it's, again, it's a situation where you really hope that Tom Thompson can get out there and, and play guard so that you don't, you're not hurting two positions. Because I think if you put Grass out there, that's a big step down. At center, and then if you force White Whitehair to play guard, that's a big step down from uh, either Thompson, Long, or or Sitton. Just because you know, like we said, that he doesn't seem comfortable at the guard position. I think at the pivot is where he's you know shown to be the strongest, and you know ideally he stays there. And that you know that was what the reason. I think you're right. The reason he had so much success last year was because he didn't have to move around, was able to focus at that one spot, and you know hopefully for the sake of the the offensive line, Thompson can get out there and they don't have to move him. Or round because it's not you know and the other thing to to, to bash on white hair is to also not take into account that grassou is not very good you know so he's not getting a lot of help from the guy next to him whether he's playing left guard or right guard and i will say bobby massey has kind of looked like garbage at times too so i don't think that this is all just on cody Whitehair. i think the offensive line in general has struggled okay you just kind of look like garbage <laughs> just just kind just a little
2: hint of garbage no he's been awful man i man it's it's and like you said the whole entire line hasn't played well for the most part but they've they got to get better out of him um but hopefully getting long back i i mean maybe i'm just kind of jumping gun here i would doubt we'd see sitting this week i don't think really two two days of not practicing is good i don't think it's a long-term thing but I you got to hope that Compton can come back at this point cuz I think Compton's actually played pretty decently well and I also think the the overall versatility of this offensive line especially with the with, with the depth that they have uh, with both uh uh Saul and uh uh and and Compton I, I think those are two guys that you know having that that versatility to be able to play in, but you'd like to see these guys actually healthy and see what they can do cuz they really <laughs> they really need to help out especially that running game and you know can't forget about Mike Lennon.
1: Well, I would like to point out that we are now in the second podcast of the third week of this season. And we have basically, over the first 15 minutes of this podcast, uh, made the point that the savior, or not the saviors, but uh, the the crux of this offense is going to be based around the return of Marcus Wheaton and the health of Tom Tompton. So I think that kind of gives you an idea of where the Bears have, have gotten in such a brief period of time uh, for us to be really uh, banking on those two guys being healthy and, and getting out there. But it is what it is. got to take it and, and move on. Uh, that's it for the injury report. No other major guys. Uh, Akeem Hicks, Jordan Howard, Kendall Wright, all with shoulder injuries. We're limited participants, but I expect all three to play. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm, I'm taking a look real quick here. Oh yeah, let's talk about uh, TJ Watt uh, for the Steelers. Who uh, was a limited participant on? He, first off, he heard his groin last week. He was taken out of the game uh, against the Vikings. Uh, was a limited participant on Monday, but then was did not participate today. So I took a step back. I think that if if Watt doesn't play, I know he's you know he's young and and there's a, it's a small sample size, but he's been pretty explosive. Pretty, uh, probably arguably their biggest playmaker on defense outside of shazier you know he's already got uh i think he's got a sack and interception or two sacks and interception so i mean he's kind of done it all for him at that outside linebacker position if he can't play i think that's a that's one of the i mean i know he's he's young but man that might be a a, uh an area that the bears might be able to take advantage of on offense
2: yeah it's um TJ Watt, man, he's been really impressive. I, I, I won't lie, I wasn't very high out of him, uh, you know, high on him coming out of the draft, but he's he's been very impressive. I think the Steelers' defense coming into this year was a little, at least in my opinion, a little, a uh, little over, overlooked. I mean, they've they've been really good, so. You know, any any help. I hate to say that, but any help that the Bears can get on the injury front um, from the other team would actually be kind of
1: uh, kind of nice for once. Yeah, yeah, because it always seems to be lopsided the other way whenever you're looking at the uh, injury report, especially last week. The Bears had so many guys, and Atlanta had nobody. Uh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, Uh, Jesse James, who also leads the uh, uh, Steelers in touchdowns with two. Uh, limited participant with an ankle injury. Uh, He did not practice on Monday, so that was a step forward. Uh, He will most likely play. So let's talk about this. uh, Well, actually, you know, before we get to the Steelers, a couple of uh, uh, housekeeping things. The Bears did make a few roster changes this week. And uh, I guess a moment of silence for Tanner. Well, he's still in the practice squad, but Tanner Gentry, a fan favorite, was uh, dropped from the active roster to the practice squad. His time on the 53-man roster was very short-lived. Did come out and make a couple of plays, uh, but it looks like the Bears, uh, you know, and that that goes back to the offensive line. Uh, I think that they, they need some bodies there. So uh, they're gonna they dropped him down to the practice squad and DeAndre Houston Carson was uh who was it the Eagles?
2: Yeah, it was the Eagles. Uh apparently put in the claim for him, and the Bears had a choice of either moving him up to the 53 man roster or letting him go. Um huh. I won't lie, I'm not really 100% sure why they decided to do that, but uh, you know, I I guess it is what it is. I mean, I guess they they must value his uh his special teams ability cuz there ain't really much else looking too positive on that front with him. <laughs>
1: yeah I don't we haven't seen DeAndre Houston Carson make a whole lot of plays really in any capacity whether the, whether that's on defense or in the third phase. He is one of those guys that the bears uh, or that we talked a lot about because of his special team's ability uh coming out of college. Did not he block like six kicks in college correct
2: yeah it was something six or seven kicks yeah. total i
1: can't remember what it was yeah so you know we 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 haven't really seen anything out of uh, of houston carson but obviously the bears thought enough of him to uh promote him from the active squad and move a guy like gentry down uh to the uh to the, to the practice squad but uh they made a few other uh practice squad uh moves nothing uh major uh yeah any that those are the only guys right that we we discussed earlier
2: yeah, I think so. The, the, who's the, the offensive lineman? Yeah, the uh, uh <laughs> that's
1: uh, that's bad. Tia Tiovalo, is that how, how you say it? Yeah, uh, DJ of oh man, I don't even know. Tia, I, Tia, uh, Tia La
2: Tiolavia. La, Tilabia. Actually, interesting thing on him. uh He was a another another one of these guys that they've they've got those converted tight. He was a tight end until last year. Mm. I can't remember who he was with before this, but mm. he was he was like 260 pounds. So it seems like the NFL is kind of moving in a direction where they're wanting to go with more. Because uh, I mean, dude, offensive tackles seem to be getting more scarce by the day, or at least good ones and. So I think it's an interesting move that the Bears have now have two guys on the practice squad. Uh, that guy from Alabama was another one who was a tight end. They moved him to offensive. It seems like they're looking for athleticism uh, than they are really, I guess you could say, traits or experience
1: at this point. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I think athleticism is a, is a, a necessity if you're going to be running a zone-based system in the manner that the Bears do. Bears run a lot of uh, pitches, stretch runs, a lot of zone stuff where you have to be able to move and you have to be able to move quickly. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense to be you know, t- trying to convert these – athletic tight ends to positions along the offensive line where they might be able to, you know, where that athleticism will transition and, you know, potentially give them another guy, give them a little bit more depth there. Yeah. But I think that's, that's probably a, a, a trend you're going to continue to see, uh, especially with the Bears being so, you know, you look at, if you look at their play calling, uh, you know, uh, other than the, the stuff that they do with, with Jordan Howard, really up the middle, almost everything to Tariq Cohen is on the edges, and a lot of it with, with Jordan Howard is also on the edges. So I think they made their, the offensive line move, uh, you know, I would say like 70% of the plays you see in the offensive line in a zone movement instead of that man straight up type of offense. So not not at all that surprising. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if Jordan Howard can play. You know, I, I, that's an injury that we kind to get just glossed over. But the fact that Jordan Howard uh, had, I think it was, oh, man, seven seven yards on nine carries. Does that sound right last week?
2: Yeah, it sound uh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I yeah. think they had. I think they had what twenty yards for sixteen carries when it was all said and done or something.
1: I, I crazy. Did he not? I mean, was it me or I, I know that he was getting hit early. I know that the the, the entire running game just stunk the uh, against the Buccaneers. But uh, did, did he not have the same finish? did it feel that way to you or is that or am i just making things up here
2: i no i i think you're right about the finish i think the thing that was more concerning to me personally was the fact that dude his vision his there was a few there's been a few different runs over the first 2 weeks but especially last week where his vision of breaking through and getting into you know whatever whatever gap it is to be able to to make something it's just not there right now and i don't know I mean, I, I can't even imagine, dude. I've had a shoulder injury before, and it's like I don't even want to walk around. I can't imagine getting hit. So I almost kind of wonder if they may be downplaying this, uh, you know, and maybe I wouldn't say serious, like, season ending by any means, but I think this is definitely bothering him, and I think it's really hindering his style. I mean, he's a physical dude. I yeah. mean, that's just, that's how he runs the ball.
1: Yeah, and, you know, with the – the style that he runs, how is it possible for that shoulder to ever heal, you know, unless it just gets time off? I mean, if he's out there smacking into guys, you know, he's not avoiding hits. He's, you know, he's he's looking for contact out there, and he can't be, you know, it, it either he's gonna make it make it worse, or he's gonna start compensating for it, and it, he's you know he's not gonna have the, the same effectiveness that he did as a rookie. I think if there, if it comes to a point where, you know, he goes out there and, and struggles again and, and doesn't have that finish that he showed all last season, it might not be a bad idea to at least sit him one week and let that shoulder clear up because if that lingers all season then you get a a 75 percent or or a 60 percent jordan howard well why not have a hundred percent Jordan Howard and just wait a couple of weeks? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, it's not as bad as uh, it, it looked. But I think that's something to monitor. Just seeing how he looks, seeing how he finishes plays here uh, going forward, especially this week during this uh, against the Steelers. Good news is Benny Cunningham uh, did practice in full, uh, so at least you know the Bears have a little bit more depth at uh, the running back position if uh, something is to happen to howard during the game so uh let's talk about i mean let's just keep talking about the offense do you uh, have high expectations for mike glennon this week
2: i do not and speaking (laughs) of the offense one more thing uh diego joseph the offensive lineman on the practice squad was claimed Mm -hmm. by the ravens and so that was actually weirdly enough for as bad of a team as the bears have been this year they actually had two guys in one week that were claimed off the practice squad by teams better than them looking to put them on the 53-man roster. So maybe that's a positive development. I'm not really sure. That was just kind of a sidebar that I wanted to get out there. No, uh,
1: that is very interesting. I don't think that, that that says anything about the Bears roster, but at least uh, you know the guys on the practice board <laughs> are pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's,
2: that's, that's fair. But as, as far as Glennon goes on the offense, man, I I just – Oh, man, it's really it's really hard to see, especially because I've watched both the Steelers games and man, their defenses look really good. And then I'm sitting there and they're very athletic. That's the one thing uh, Mike Mitchell at safety. Uh, they got a, a very athletic group of linebackers. And I, and I think when you look at that versus what the Bears did last week and how they got shut down with the Bucks. I think you're looking at a very similar product. I really do because you have those athletic and you have those athletic linebackers, uh, especially Ryan Chase I mean, he's a dude sideline the sideline really fast. As long as he's healthy, he's really good. Uh, and I think that doesn't bode well for the Bears' short passing game, especially when you're trying to get Tre Cohen involved. So. Uh, getting Marcus Wheaton back is going to... They're going to have to stretch the field. I mean, they're going to have to do something different because the offense that they've run the last two weeks is not going to work against this team. The Steelers got a better defense than they've had in in quite a few years. uh, So... I don't like this matchup at all for the Bears, especially offensively. I don't think it matches up very well. And they got a couple of pretty good pass rushers, uh, T.J. Watt, depending on if he plays, and Stephon it. I mean, he's another dude that's that's uh, – I'd say he's probably on the same same level as like an Akeem Hicks type player. So they got their
1: hands full. Yeah, you bring up a couple of points. And the first, quickly, is that uh, having Wheaton back does bring an element that uh, of – You know, the threat of the deep ball that the Bears really haven't been able to offer over the first couple of weeks. And uh, I do believe that, you know, even though Mike Glennon has been nothing but a check down machine over the first two weeks, I think Wheaton offers him the opportunity to to get downfield a little bit. And I think they will take a couple of shots. I think they'd be stupid not to. I mean, he's their only guy who can really get past the defense other than Deontay Thompson, but he's not really a wide receiver. So I think Wheaton is their best chance to really try and open up the offense and keep that safety out of the box. I, I think most of the time you are going to see a safety in the box, but if they can complete a couple of passes to Marcus Wheaton, that would be huge. Now, I, I want to bring up the point about Tariq Cohen and Ryan Shazier, and I, I, I Go back to when you watched the tape of the Tampa Bay game last week and Levante David Uh, you know, we talked about when we did the the podcast last week about how the bear or how the Buccaneers were gonna be able to match up with Tariq Cohen and I even mentioned a guy like Levante David and how that he might struggle to, to you know, with a player of Cohen's quickness and burst, but David was all over the field and basically they had him shadow Uh, tree cohen wherever he went he he was mainly the guy who covered him uh, one-on-one and you know he was just he was in his face every time he caught the football so i think that's a situation where the the buccaneers gave a template if you have a very fast player like david a linebacker type even if it's a strong safety that's a, that's a way to limit what Cohen can do, especially if he's the only option that the Bears have. Now, hopefully, like I said, with Wheaton that opens up a, a little bit more, and hopefully they can get the run game going a little bit. But uh, you know, if you want to shut down Cohen, it, you know he's quick, he's got great burst, he's obviously has great hands. I think he leads the league right now, or he's tied for the lead uh, league in touches right now. He he can get it done, but if you have a good quick linebacker that can limit him post catch or post-touch, I think that's huge. And I think that the the Steelers have that in Shazier he, easily. He's one of the quickest linebackers in the NFL. So I think that you're going to see a lot of situations where Shazier is going to be the guy who's going to be shadowing Tariq Cohen and Cohen's going to have to get around him a couple of times. There's going to be a, lot of, a few situations where those two guys are going to be in open space one-on-one, and it's, you know if Cohen can get around him, those are going to end up being big plays. But yeah, this is a tough test overall. I, I, I think the front seven is what is the most concerning, obviously. And that we, you say that every year about the Steelers, just because the 3-4 defense they run is so uh, aggressive and dangerous. I think I died just out of nowhere. And I, I'm i so unfamiliar with him. I, I'm not even sure. Do Anthony Chiquillo, is that how you say it? Or, or is it Chiquillo? I don't even
2: know. Uh, man, I'm, I'm not really sure right. either. I'm I, not I, really
1: you... big AFC guy. <laughs> All, right. All right. So I'm going to say Chiquillo. And uh, he has two sacks on the year. And last week uh, when Watt went down, they put Chiquillo in over uh, the veteran, James Harrison. So uh, you know that just kind of shows you the depth. That they have at that position. And I think if Watt doesn't go, they're going to start this Chiquillo kid again over Harrison, to, uh, you know, because he's earned it at this point. So I think you have, as usual, a, a major, uh, you know, one through four linebacker group that's going to give you fits all day long and they bring it in in these these uh exotic blitz packages that you really never know where that extra guy is going to be coming from Bears have struggled uh, if you want to talk about the offensive line especially in picking up the blitz over the last a uh, couple of weeks, even, even going back to the preseason they were struggling, that first team was and now you're shuffling guys around, you're bringing a new guy in with Kyle Long who hasn't played yet. You know, I think they're probably going to pick on Kyle Long a little bit and they're pro- and if Grassu's out there, they're going to pick on him like crazy. They're going to be the flood in the middle of the uh, the offensive line to try and, and, and stop him and then again, Bobby Massey has got to get the job done. He hasn't been doing it. I mean, Charles Leno's got to play better. I mean, if there's any chance any chance of Mike Glennon not having a repeat performance? A lot of it relies, in my opinion, on the offensive line—not only in pass protection, but also in getting that run game going.
2: I agree. I agree, and I, I think my biggest question this week—and you know, surprise, surprise—here we go with the quarterbacks again. Uh, I mean, what, what kind of what kind of performance are you expecting out of Glennon? Because I, I, I just I don't see. I don't see a lot of ways that things are going to go good for him. I mean, they could, they're a very athletic defense. They're going to stack the box against him outside of corners, and I, and I think Mike Mitchell at safety is is a big difference maker. I was a big fan of him uh, when he's a free agent a few years ago, and he's he's played really well, and it's just it's hard to see them not doing something very similar to what they did. So with that being said, I mean, I, you kind of wonder. Let's say, you know, it's 10 nothing, 13 nothing, something like that, right before the half and and Glennon has a repeat performance. I mean, at that point, do you pull the plug or do you do you stay with him again?
1: Well, I think they're going to stick with him and I think it, it goes back to what we talked about last week. It's just not an ideal situation for Mitch Trubisky. I, I don't think that you, you want to put him in an uh if you do want to put your rookie out there, you want it to be, like you said, maybe in a situation where he gets 10 days off, where he's fully prepared. You don't want him going out there saying, here you go, kid. You're down, you know, whatever it is, nothing against one of the best defenses in the NFL who are going to come after you. Good luck. I mean, I, I don't think that's... Even if Glennon is playing poorly, I don't think he want to do that to Turbisky. I think as long as Glennon stays on his feet, or you know, can stay on his feet, he's going to finish this game no matter how bad it gets. Now, that's the issue, though. I, I, I see a lot of guys getting through. I see him getting hit a lot in this game. And he's just shown over the first two weeks that he can't avoid anything. And, you know, the Steelers are a fast team. The Bears have a, a, a patchwork offensive line. It's probably going to be without their all-pro right guard. I, I don't know. I I wonder if he's going to finish. I wonder if just not, you know, the Bears are going to be forced to put Trubisky out there. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I think they need, I mean, the, the short passing attack is really their only chance. And I know you wanted them to throw the ball down the field, and I think they might take a couple of shots, but the only way to keep Trubisky off the field at this point is the short passing attack because I think if they try and drop back with with Glennon too often seven step drops eventually the the Steelers are going to get to him they're going to get to him often and they're probably going to hit him pretty hard and I think again you just you don't want to put Trubisky into that situation even if he gives you a better chance of winning there's also a good chance that he's going to get you know beaten up in the in the in that contest as well and it's just that wouldn't be a good start for him I don't think so so uh, hopefully, you know, for the sake of the Bears and the sake of the, the the opportunity for them to get a win, Mike Lennon can come out and perform well. But to answer your question, I think he's going to get pounded, and I think he's just going to look like he did last week. And I, I wish I could be more optimistic about it and um, prove me wrong, Mike Lennon. I mean, go, go for it. I, I would love to see it. But I just, I, what what is it? What what reason do I have to be to be more optimistic? Can you give me one?
2: Uh, No, I can't. And you know, something that keeps weighing on my mind that I've watched the last few years with them, especially on a Dow Loggins, why aren't they throwing more quick slants? I mean, you've got a guy in Tariq Cohen who I think fits that perfectly. Uh, I think you've got a few tight ends that can run that pretty well. Uh, Kendall Wright's the same thing, I think. you know, And I think you're completely right. I I think a short passing game is probably going to be smart. But I just man it's it's hard to see I mean they're and that's the thing is that you watch other teams around the league and you see them they face good front sevens and what do they do it's a bunch of quick passes a bunch of you know getting getting the ball out and making things quick the problem is Mike Glennon is not capable of doing anything quick because he's so long and he's so slow with everything that he does and I agree I mean there's just I I don't I don't know that there's one positive way. I think really the only thing is trying to get the run game going. But even at that, I mean, the Steelers got a really good run defense. So, yeah. I mean, if 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 Glennon's going to be throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game, then uh, we need to start the hashtag now because people need to be praying for Glennon.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. The only chance they have is the run game. Uh, you know, that's it. And if you put it again, 45 passes by Mike Glennon is just going to be the same result, probably even worse against a, a better defense uh, with the Steelers this week, so uh, let's switch over to uh, what the Bears defense has to deal with, which is a whole lot on the uh, offensive side of the ball for the Steelers. Uh, I mean, we'll just start with Roethlisberger. I don't know what more. I mean, everybody knows what he brings. I think, you know, uh, again with with Roethlisberger, it's not getting to him; it's actually taking him down. Getting to him is just half the process. I've never seen a guy in my life who's completed so many passes with the defender hanging all over him. Uh, but that's what he does. I mean, he can—he's—he's he's not elusive by any means. But he knows how to move around in the pocket, and he's so big and so strong that you, you have to hit him and really take him down to get him down. So, uh, you know, that—that's what he brings. In kind of the—you know—it's almost like facing Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers will avoid rush. He'll—he'll he'll, he'll extend plays with his legs. With with Ben, he kind of does it in a different way, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on. The cornerbacks, we talked about earlier, and the and the Steelers love to throw deep with Roethlisberger. I mean, in those situations, can you see? Do you have faith Fuller, Mookamara, Cooper, any of those guys? Roethlisberger has extended the play another three three seconds. Can they? Can a defender? Can any of those cornerbacks stick with Antonio Brown for three more seconds? that's a good question
2: and looking back at what they did last week against the Vikings Antonio Brown wasn't actually as uh as involved or heavily as involved as he normally was uh, Martavis Bryant was their big dude I mean he was the one you know just going downfield and catching bombs and I think it's and it's another interesting matchup because you look at it and really the Steelers haven't run the ball well this year so far Le'Veon Bell has not been good I think they're averaging right around 2.8 yards per carry but they've only given up three sacks. So the thing is, is you may be able to make them one-dimensional, but you're also making them one-dimensional, and you're trying to match your corners who aren't really, especially a guy like Kyle Fuller and a guy like Marcus Cooper. They don't have the speed. They're not known to be hanging with speed guys. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on, I think, you know, obviously Callahan and and, and Prince of Mukamura and I don't know that this is a good matchup for them they struggle they've usually struggled with quick receivers and I mean they've got two I mean Martavis Bryan is very quick and Antonio Brown is as well and I mean they just they're they're both very good and and even making the game one dimensional it's hard to see how the Bears are going to be able to benefit I mean you're talking about losing Jarrell Freeman who was a good presence over the middle even in pass coverage Uh so, I, but if this is, a, if there's any game that you could circle on the schedule this early in the year, that could be a breakout game or a game that's going to maybe put Eddie Jackson on the map and kind of give him that signature game, this would be it because they're going to go deep a lot. And then he's going to be back there for a lot of that. Uh, they've been playing, you know, they, they've been playing him a lot deep and I mean, he may get his that's for an interception this week.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I, I think that Vic Fangio brought up and uh, a really good point as well today. The, the, through two games, uh, the Steelers have uh, earned a 49-yard and a 41-yard pass interference penalty, and I think that that's kind of almost a play in itself in the NFL today. I think you know if you if you have the the speed, if you have the quarterback with the arm. You know, Guys who can track the ball well and body up uh, in those uh, 50-50 situations, you're going to earn a lot of pass interference penalties. And I almost think that that's, that's a strategy of the Steelers and teams like the Steelers who have those Dangerous downfield passing attacks, it's like, well, it's, you know, second and 12, let's just launch it because the, the odds of us getting a pass interference call are pretty damn good. So uh, I think that's the big, you know, and Fangio mentioned it a couple of times. I mean, that's, that's as big of a fear as giving up those big, I mean, it's the exact same thing as giving up the catch. So, you know, not only do they have to worry about them getting open, but but if Roeth- Roethlisberger is just going to throw it up there, they have to be sound in their fundamentals and not grab and not hold. And even then, they're probably going to get still called for a, a pass interference penalty. So I think that, you know that's definitely something to, to be concerned about. And you talk about Martavis Bryant. He's averaging 21 yards per catch so far this season, which is pretty I, – I know he only has five catches, but, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. It's obvious that they're just you know going deep, left and right and even you you said Antonio Brown is coming off a a rough game he still leads the league in in receiving yards with 244 so I mean this is just a dangerous uh, uh, passing attack and and the other thing I wanted to mention is I think the only reason that the Le'Veon Bell and the rushing attack has not been what it has in the past couple of years is just because he didn't he held out so you know, I don't. He po- probably wasn't in playing shape. He didn't have all those reps with the with the the new players that are in the offense. Not there aren't a lot of new players, but you know, it takes a while to get for a guy to get going. And I think that's probably the reason that the, that the run game has struggled. And I think there's a re- real good possibility that this is the week that it actually starts to get going. Bell is a dangerous, dangerous player. It you can't put an extra guy in the box to stop him because they're going to beat you over the top with their receivers. So. Uh, You know, I I think guys like Akeem Hicks, Jonathan Bullard, uh, Danny Trebathan needs to have a huge game, Uh, Christian Jones, uh, Leonard Floyd needs to get after the passer. I mean, a lot of guys need to have huge, huge defensive performances just to contain (laughs) this this Steelers offense. It's almost like Michael Jordan. You're not going to stop them. You can really only hope to contain them
2: yeah it's uh you know you're coming off of a blowout and here you are facing a team probably the best team you played all year i mean maybe maybe i don't know atlanta's pretty good too but either way i mean this is a really good team that they're facing and unfortunately for the bears this 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 beginning of the schedule is shaping out exactly like everybody had projected so it's it's tough because i mean they're at home uh they've actually had a pretty good record against the steelers overall um and especially as of late but it's it's really hard to see how they're you know how, how things gonna match up but that may be uh maybe a good time to do our predictions unless you got anything else on the
1: defense no, side no, no, that's it I, I think prediction time why don't you uh you give it a start
2: oh man this this hurts but uh i'm gonna go ahead and go with 27 to 13 uh steelers i'm not, I'm not I, and that's another thing i'm just gonna make a disclaimer right now i'm not picking the bears again to win a game until they actually <laughs> show me that they can win a game
1: yeah they burned they burned us both pretty bad last week i was actually gonna say 31 to 10 is my prediction i think they're just gonna get dominated um unfortunately i mean and it's going to be at soldier field so you know another soldier field crowd is going to pay their uh you know come with their expensive tickets and pay their expensive parking and and see a team just get pummeled hopefully i'm wrong i, I hope you guys all come out and see a, a, an unbelievable upset but uh i'm not predicting it this week and I'm with you. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jacksonville in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll see, but uh, uh, it's not this week uh, or I'm sorry, not Jacksonville. Uh, uh, well, we'll, we'll figure out one of those teams later in the second half of the season when they might be able to win, but it's definitely got not going to be this week. And I doubt it's going to be next week against the Packers. So anything else, anything else you got before we, uh, we get out of here?
2: Well, I just, you know, the bears, the, it's amazing. We're going in the week three and we're already talking like this. Uh, hopefully, hopefully last week, was just an anomaly and hopefully they'll come out. But I'm I'm with you, man. It's just it's so hard. It's like they've already zapped all of my interests uh for this year. And still Trubisky gets in, but at least for the time being, I mean my optimism is just is just not there. It's, well, and and I, it's just a bad matchup.
1: And you brought up a good point about the, the timeline for Trubisky. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, they're probably not going to do it this week, not going to do it on a four-day turnaround coming on to a Thursday night game against the the the, the Packers, but I think week five is a very uh, realistic time for Trubisky, and if that does happen, then these these podcasts, these Sundays become a lot more exciting because then we're talking about the future instead of what appears to be a stopped-at quarterback on a bad team. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. We'll see if the Bears can pull off an upset victory this weekend and, and, and prove both Aaron and I wrong. But that's it, guys. Give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can follow me as well at BearReport. You can see all our work at BearReport.com as well as our Bear Report Facebook page. And if you haven't done it already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And have a great weekend, guys, even if you're not going to watch the Bears game. Or even if you do, don't let it ruin your weekend. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. And hopefully we're talking about a Bears man. Talk soon.